What's up, what's up? Welcome to Livy's Corner. How are you guys doing? I'm going to be very honest with y'all. <laughs> In the last, like, two months have been so crazy, so busy, and then, like, oh my goodness, there was a lot going on <laughs> on my end, so... I know that, yeah, you know, their episodes have been sporadic, but I'm getting back to, <laughs> back to normal on this end. Oh, but yeah, so I wanted to um, just tap in real quick. This week we're going to be discussing um, <laughs> some of the foolery that <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race has going on on this April Fool's Day, the day that I am filming this um, episode. And then I have some reviews for you guys. Um, also, an HBO Max update. And I think that's it. Yeah, this is going to be a quick one. We ain't, ain't going to be on here too long. I, I ain't going to keep y'all all day. Oh, yes. And there is grand news of the Knives Out franchise. So let's get on into this. So for this week's reviews, I have two actually. Um, and I will split them up because one is <clears throat> the review of Tina, the HBO Max documentary that was just released um, last Saturday. Um, and this one, I kind of go into it a little bit. Um, I didn't, I did like a, I've just been doing like these little quick reviews on social media. I haven't really been going in depth because, hey, I'm if I'm going to do all of that content work, it's just going to be put onto the podcast. So that's why those have been short for those of you that have been following me on social media. And then the other review is going to be um, on Godzilla vs. Kong. <sighs> Listen, we're going to hit Tina first. Well, we're going to do Tina first. That was a poor choice of words on my end. <clears throat> um yeah listen um it's uh, like I said it was available on HBO Max and if you're not <clears throat> I don't know if they're gonna make it available um hmm I'm not sure if they're gonna make that available outside of outside of it they should I know that a lot of their movies have like an expiration date on on the platform um, so I'm not sure if the documentaries have that same luxury um, if you can you know borrow somebody's if you don't have access to it this is definitely so far the documentary of the year um, I know that <clears throat> this is March we're going into April um, <laughs> so, um, 
Well, actually, no. It's we're in April. Lord, it's flying by. I understand that. Like, I get it. You know, this is only April, but you know, this documentary is so powerful and it's so important. <clears throat> this is like not the first time, but it's a rare occasion that a black woman is getting a swan song. Um, of her own making, of her own direction, um, of her own choice. And I just, <clears throat> I want people to just, you know, grasp that and understand that. Like, this is powerful just in that alone. And then also, you know, her overcoming so much trauma and in her own words torture um in her surviving that um it's just it's extraordinary it's extraordinary so what the documentary does is it gives it sheds light um the empowerment of this individual and how she became a freaking icon this is a legend this is a legend there is only one tina there will never be another tina okay i need y'all to understand that just like the comparisons need to stop just like there's only one beyonce there will only be a one beyonce it's like it's this competition crap that just it it robs the the artistry of what is going on of what these individuals are putting forth and when you you know when people boil it down to just being like well she's better than and you know the, the whole the whole thing that whole competition crap it just it just sucks like we don't need it um we <laughs> we don't need it you know just like Tina said we don't need another hero that's I know that's right we don't it's just leave these people alone let them be who they're gonna be you know what I mean without all of this drama that people have to cook up to either sell sell like a product or like some kind of narrative to make money like it's just stupid and I just really wish people would stop doing that like please stop it's very toxic and so um and i only say that because there was like these uh, these younger um like i don't <laughs> these younger podcasters were saying you know doing the whole comparison thing and they got checked and they should have got checked because you cannot do that not in this sense you just can't and not in any sense like there's room for everybody but we've been forced to believe that there's only room for one black <laughs> performer and that is bs it's so vile and it's so wrong and so um getting back into tina though um the the film is broken down into five parts the pacing is really, really good. Um, so let's go on and get into what I liked about it. Um, you know, the good about it. The pacing was brilliant. Like, <laughs> there was 
there were times where I was like, an hour went by? Like, it went that fast. Like, they just, they knew what they were doing. It's a, it's a mixed media uh, presentation for sure. There's a lot of archival footage of, um, you know, performances and, and things like that. Um, but what I really also liked about it was how they showcased that Tina was bigger than what I could even imagine um, her to be. He wanted to keep her. Ike, you know, was her um, abusive husband, ex-husband. And he knew that she was powerful. He knew that she, you know, I mean, this woman can just get on stage and just do a damn thing. She can go in an interview and personable. She's talented and just, you know, naturally so. And he knew that. And he exploited it. And then when um, when that got to be, um, you know, successful, that tactic, um, he took it further and, you know, dominated her in, in a very visceral and um, violent way. And I'm not going to get into all of it, of course. There is whew, there's some accounts that she is reflecting that, you know, one of her sons reflect on that is just horrendous. And um, how she was still made to perform um, with broken bones and like bruised face, black eyes and all. All of this, it's it's so, oh my goodness, it is so bad. Like, I'm just like, oh my goodness. And um, there were times that people did reflect on Ike and was like, hey, you know, he had been screwed over in the music business numerous times. And so when she came up on the scene he was like you know well that's not gonna happen with her you know and and again it's like he exploited it he exploited her he made his money off of her um and when they finally when she decided to finally leave um you know he made sure she had nothing um no money no anything and without her he wouldn't have amassed that amount of wealth um, <laughs> and yeah, so she had to like raise the family. Um, and then by that time they were teens and, you know, adults. And then, um, she was also left out to dry, um, and on the hook for cancellation fees for, you know, um, bookings that they canceled. Um, after the divorce so <laughs> this dude is trash okay I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it and he he is no longer on this earth but he is trash like I don't care <sighs> he is trash and then uh, an, off, an offshoot was that he had won a Grammy in like 1990 um for some, you know, for an album. 
And I just was like, really? Like, this dude did all of this and y'all still giving them, giving them props? See, this is an issue. This is an issue. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Tina just, she was surrounded for her whole life by violence. And she made a conscious decision to end that and to walk away from that. Um, the, the documentary is powerful because there are just so many people in DV relationships, even, you know, now who have yet to speak up. Um, but I just wanted to say that, you know, we victims, because I am a victim of domestic violence. Um, I also witnessed that as a child. Um, but I just want to always let people know that we victims and survivors, we recognize other victims who are still silent. Um, we know there is just this connection. Like, we just know. We know what it looks like. We know, you know, the, the postures and everything. We're able to read on those things. Um, there is one star, I will not say any names, um, who... I know this is happening too. <laughs> I know that they have been mentally abused and physically abused um, by, but they are high profile and they've been pushing a narrative. And um, like I said, I'll say no names. I'll say no names. But you know, until they're ready to walk in their truth, I can't say anything. You know, that's their story to break. But um, yeah, it's just like. It was so sad. Just like, it was just a lot of sadness. And even there were times where there were like people that wanted Tina to break out and do other things. Um, Phil Spector, who was also trash, okay, was one of the people that tried to get her, you know, into the mainstream. Um, but because of how racist radio was back then, um, if it didn't hit um, in the top 10 on the R&B charts, it wasn't going to get played on the, you know, pop charts and or pop radio. And so that's what happened here in America. But overseas, they ate it up like they was like, that's the jam. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was like it was just weird. And then um, so after, you know, her divorce, there's this comeback is what they titled the um, chapter but in Tina's words she was like this wasn't a comeback I had this was like my birth like this was the my own album you know and the woman killed it she killed it I mean killed it you know, but every time she would, you know, do an interview here or there, here comes some reporter, and I really need them to get it together. I'm not going to lie. I need the media to get it together because all they ever wanted to talk about was the trauma. And um, Tina tried numerous times um, to just set the record straight and just be like, hey, that's we're not talking about it anymore. But every time some some reporter was just disrespectful 
and still asking about Ike or talking about, well, Ike was arrested for this and, ooh, you know, trying to get a rise out of her. Like, I was like, what the hell? You guys are vultures. That is not cool. And I was just like, what is going on with these people? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it, she went through a lot, y'all, like a lot. And then they, by them doing that, they just kept compounding her trauma, like over and over and over. And it was just, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Like I was just like, media, y'all been needing to get y'all stuff together. But after seeing this, I was like, y'all ain't got no excuse now. Like this was just y'all not only was talking about the abuse like y'all was inflicting abuse on this woman by asking her these questions over and over and over and over so and you know as a star you you walk a fine line especially black um back then but <laughs> black then <laughs> especially back then you know you couldn't be like hey i ain't gonna answer that question quit asking me that 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 question i'm not gonna answer it you know, nowadays people can do that and they have more control over their narratives too um, because of social media. But, you know, back then, the big publications, that's that's what it was. Like, hey, that's just how this system was built. Um, yeah, and all of that, all of that trauma, drama, and hardship, you know, Miss Ma'am said, and then the last uh, part or chapter of the of the documentary, she was like, "Hey, this is about love. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna go gone and and get long, long love that she's had for like 20. I guess they were together like 27 years before they got married, and I'm not mad at her. I was like, girl, get it, and you know, she's just like." She, um, she's like, I'm done. Like, I'm, the bad outweighed the good for her. And it's like, it brings up the question, like, and I know I've spoken about this on, on this podcast. Like, I'm like, people do not understand the, the depths of pain and sorrow that a lot of performers go through to bring you content that you can sit and drink some, you know, drink a drink to, sip on some tea and eat popcorn to. Like, this woman went through hell to be up there shimmying and, and shaking and singing her ass off. And <laughs> I'm just like, y'all know what? You know what I mean? And it's like, just look at, look at people's like, filmographies look at people's like you know discographies I think about Amy Winehouse and when she went when she went people had the nerve I remember being on this one thread and this dude <clears throat> I snapped because this dude was like well she was an alcoholic so y'all knew this was gonna happen and I just snapped like I was like um, what we're not going to do is that. Like, no. She was suffering and it took her life. Like, the suffering, the sorrow, the pain 
took her life, not the bottle. Like, and I was like, you know, that's just really insensitive for you to say because you have no idea how pain works. Works, And um, with Tina, you can visibly see that the PTSD has worked on her nerves, that it has messed with her cognitive um you know synapses and and things like that you can physically see it and her partner you know her husband even said he was like she has these nightmares um and it is still with her and so when anybody asks these questions it opens up that book and she feels it all over again and I was just like, oh my goodness, you know? And so even with this documentary, she had to open up the book again. And I'm like, oh no, you know what I mean? And I love her. I loved her before uh, the documentary. Like, when I was a kid, I used to <laughs> seriously like... <laughs> put like fake hair on and sing in the mirror sing Tina Turner in the mirror um I just man I she deserves all the flowers she deserves all the love support and you know like I said at the beginning of this she decided to to do her swan song and she did it perfectly um i'll just say you know i'll reiterate uh the uncle from spider-man when he was like with uh greatness comes great responsibility or something like that um yes <laughs> yes as we're starting to see with a lot of greatness comes great sorrow and and grief and this is how I'm able to be cool in saying goodbye to Tina with love and respect her life was bad and painful y'all she deserves her flowers now she deserves her respect now but over all of that she deserves her peace now and that is the most powerful thing any survivor of abuse can claim for themselves. So, Miss Tina, honey, you get five snaps out of five. Boom, 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 boom. Five snaps out of five. All right, we're going to take a break. Got to pay bills. Got to pay bills. And then I'll hit you up with this Godzilla and Kong review, child. Oh, Lord. to grab my coffee y'all listen um so Godzilla versus Kong released 
Wednesday, I, I mean Wednesday morning at midnight, you know, so Tuesday at midnight, okay. And I loved it, okay, first off, I'm not going to pretend like I did not love it, okay, this was a fun movie, the, the battle scenes were epic, um, but then at the same time, the film was so predictable, and it was, it jumped. It was a lot of jumbled stuff going on. And I, I'm just not sure what Warner Brothers is going to do. Because I, although this movie is going to make bank at the box office because there's a lot of theaters opening up again um it made like over 200 million dollars overseas when it opened um last week and and you know it's it finally opened up here and yeah so we're it's interesting because it's gonna make a lot of money um, which that's what it was geared to do in the first place. They weren't trying to make some, <laughs> you know, some epic. Um, they weren't trying to do that. They were just, <laughs> they were just trying to make the coins. And I, I, I get it. Um, I had fun. Like there was times where there was, there was a lot of times where I was just like, Ooh, Oh no, he didn't. Like, of course. Because, the, like I said, the battle scenes, the action scenes were epic. And, but then, of course, what threw it off <laughs> were the human element, elements. And to be honest, like, those just weren't even necessary. The villain, you knew was a villain immediately. Um... <laughs> like they didn't even try to hide the fact like there was no like tic-tac-toe moment like you just knew immediately like this is the villain um <laughs> there was there were some parts to it that just are hilarious but they're not hilarious because they're like funny it's just hilarious because it's just like did they really just go there but yes they did um <sighs> yeah so <laughs> outside of that um they definitely I, I like I said I don't know I don't know what Warner Brothers is going to do when it comes to creatively creating works that can can like hit all the bases um without causing controversy y'all like we're talking about you know I, I'm referencing um you know the Justice League for sure um yeah it's just I don't know y'all I don't know I'm just sitting here like <sighs> I had a good time it's a good time I'm glad that it's on HBO Max until April 30th, and then it's going to be released, you know, for, uh, you know, early access kind of stuff, um, everywhere else, but, 
I'm not trying to give too much away. I just, I just was like, hey, y'all, listen. <laughs> I don't know what y'all gonna do. Like, I literally watched it again, and I just fast-forwarded through the boring parts, which was like a good... I want to say like 40 some minutes so the movie is like only two hours there's no end credit scene just so you know um so I don't know if that's they're like that's it <laughs> that's the end of the trilogy um or or series I have no idea um there was just some parts to it that I was dying on like <laughs> I will say that Godzilla was like a grandpa you know he was hilarious but oh my god like they just need to work on that they need to work on it I mean it was it was it was good but it was so predictable um so predictable I will give I haven't even rated it yet but I will give this um <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong I'm gonna have to give it like three point six snaps out of five. So point six out of five. The visuals were awesome. Um, it was great, but like I said, just when you're talking about forty some forty some minutes of a two-hour film being trash. Oh my goodness, that's not good. So, <laughs> and the cast was not great either. Uh, the little girl was awesome. Now, I liked her. I liked her a lot. Um, so, she was cool. The connection between her and Kong was really good. But, girl, mm, that's all I got to say about that. a deal that is going to segue into all of the creative juices that, that are flowing right now and the money flowing as well behind them. So um, Knives Out which came out in 2019 who's one of my favorite movies still is I will still watch that and be laughing my ass off um and just enjoying myself um we knew that we were getting a sequel um we just didn't know when we didn't know what was happening um Rain Johnson who wrote and directed the original um has you know he has written the sequels as well so there's a second and third installment coming we just you know I didn't know there was a third but that's awesome too and then um, Daniel Craig who's also in the original is going to be turning as well and um, as Benoit Blanc um, but again we just didn't know what was going on with it right and so there was this silent bidding war according to Deadline that ensued and it was Apple TV Amazon and Netflix 
and Netflix won with almost throwing $400 million at <laughs> these, in these, these sequels. Y'all listen. I covered um, the Coming to America uh, deal earlier this year and how Amazon acquired it for $275 million. And the reason why they were able to broker that is because that film would have made that. But to be very honest, it would have made more than just that. Let's be honest. We're in a different age. You know, the panoramic is still still rolling heavy. Um, you know, even with theaters being open, I know where I'm at, you know, in LA, they're only open at 25% capacity. So the reason why you're seeing these big deals is because of the environment. I don't think we're going to be able to get back to 100% capacity for a very long time. Um, I'm thinking not until like 2023, to be very honest. So when you're seeing these big deals, it's because of, hey, we want to put these these you know movies out we want to put this content out but nine times out of ten especially going into these next couple or few years a lot of it is going to be on the streaming services (laughs) which Hollywood has still with these Oscar nominations have still not hugged and embraced Okay, for whatever reason, we will get into that later. Don't get me on my soapbox, y'all, because y'all already know how I feel about that mess. So Netflix throws close to $400 million at Rain Johnson and crew and company to make these movies. Now, they are going to start shooting here. Um, Casting, they said, is going to begin immediately. Um, Shooting will reconvene June 28th in Greece. So, Knives Out 2 is going to be, you know, being shot overseas. Um... This is massive. I can't even. I can't even. I can't even. But also, when you get that amount of money thrown at you, um, you're able to create avenues to expand, you know, Hollywood and to allow um, more creative voices and choices to come through in Hollywood and that's what this really is because honey they the original Knives Out only had a 40 million dollar budget they they and and that mostly came from Johnson himself because he made a nice little chunk um from 
the I don't even who's the Star Wars one, the one that everybody hated. <laughs> everybody hated it. Yeah, the first film cost forty million and turned in a global gross um of about three hundred and eleven million dollars. Um I just I just can't. That's just a lot. It's just a lot. <laughs> I'm just like <sighs> this is crazy. This is crazy. And so let me go ahead and, and talk about give that little update on HBO Max. Um so when I when you know, remember when all of the hoopla was like, oh my god, y'all putting all the movies on HBO Max first and remember that, remember that when it happened? <laughs> so and I had said, I said, you know, a lot of people are gonna leave, a lot of people are gonna, you know, go find other places to be and they have the right to do that. But then I said it's gonna open up um this creative ocean over at HBO Max and HBO. That's exactly what's happening. Um, there's two stories that I want to hit on. Um, and this was just, the first one is just like everybody was talking about it. So I can just list everybody like Deadline, BuzzFeed, um, Shadow and Act. Like everybody blackfilm.org everybody just talked about this deal um, between Issa Rae and HBO um, it's a five year deal um, you know first look and it was rumored to be around 40 million dollars for five years and I'm just like oh, man that's that's big and that's huge that's big and that's huge. And I'm like, go ahead, handle your business. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not... I'm, I will never bash a black creative unless they are absolute trash, okay? Um, but I will say that I support Issa and that's as far as that goes. No shade, no hate that I just... I have my own reasons, and I will leave it at that. This is a huge deal, and I applaud her and support her, okay? I'm going to watch whatever she's putting out, because that is huge. I have to support that. Um, but news broke today, um, and this one is from um, BuzzFeed. That Barry Jenkins and his company, his production company, are heavily tied with A24. And HBO has acquired and signed him on as well, and his company on as well, for a five-year first look deal. And it is an undisclosed amount. Um, listen, I said back in January that, in December, 
that this was going to happen. That by HBO or, you know, WB or AT&T, let's be honest, making that decision that this was going to open up that creative ocean, right? That, you know, uh, Warner Brothers was talking about opening. They're not done. They're not done. There is a screenplay... Um, I want to say it's like a, a screenplay competition that Macro Productions and Charles um, King, um, who's a part of the producing um, group, production group that brought Judas and the Black Messiah to the world, um, they have partnered with Warner Brothers to... <laughs> to find screenwriters and of you know BIPOC people with disabilities um, people of age I, I said this was going to happen right and it needs to happen there needs to be so much change over at Warner Brothers y'all it's not funny it is not funny um and what you're seeing is it happening. It is happening. And I'm excited. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm excited. I think, you know, it's it's going to take some things um, to get it right. Um, you know, people have to be called out and held accountable for, you know, their actions and things like that. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to make you guys aware of like the content that's coming your way, the money's behind it. Um, I don't know. I think Issa's first, um, production piece is, is like a rap, um, drama dramedy show so I don't know what that's gonna be about the city girls are attached to it production wise so I'm like okay um so we'll just see how that goes I don't know we'll just see how that goes and then Barry Jenkins um his first production piece is about the Underground Railroad um it's a 10 part series limited series um, and he is directing every last bit of it. He's also writing it. And if you don't know Barry Jenkins, he's the visionary um, director and writer of Moonlight and If Bill Street Could Talk. That's that guy. So, yeah, just be on the lookout. It's, it's going down, guys. Like, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> So I'm going to close this out, you know, I, I just want to say, you know, thank you to everybody who's listening and, you know, reacting and like shooting me little messages. And you guys are amazing. Um, we crossed a hundred, we're over a hundred, um, 
listens or plays. And I'm just like, oh snap. So we're doing it. (laughs) We're doing it. We're here. We're doing it. And I feel better. Um, I've been writing again. Um, Not just writing, you know, um, scripts for the show, but just like writing for real writing. And that has not happened in years. Um, We just, our life changes and we got to roll with it. Um, We have to learn to adapt and, and heal. And that's what I was really intensified on doing over the past couple months. And so um, I'm thankful for having that time and that opportunity to do that. And um, just, you know, branching out creatively, um, you know, putting myself out there. Uh, and, And I think that's the moral of the story here is like you gotta put yourselves out there in order to you know grow into your true self and and that's what a lot of people are doing that's what a lot of um, creatives are doing right now they you know they're doing that they're stepping outside their boxes and creating these lanes of just like it's just nuts what's going on and I'm here for it I really am so I'm just gonna leave it at that um next week I'm not sure what my review schedule looks like I know Concrete um Cowboy um hits uh at like you know, two o'clock or something here in the morning, honey. No, I will be watching that this weekend and I'll have that ready. Um, and then of course, you know, just some of the topics that have floated up to the surface that, you know, we'll see. And then (laughs) I do want to close out and be like, uh, Bianca Del Rio play too much. Um, she did put a, a joke on, Instagram and Twitter that she was taking over um, RuPaul's Drag Race. I said, girl, I can't even deal with you right now. I really cannot. So, alright guys. I will talk to you next week. Let me know if there's anything you want me to cover. And I shall do that. Alright. Bye y'all.